So it doesn't happen very often anymore that I get passionate about a topic on this podcast, but today that is happening and I'm making this a free public episode because I think this is really important information. Um, If you are interested in all of my in-depth coverage of mold avoidance and my lessons and hacks and the things that I've learned, you can do that with the $10 per month paid podcast subscription. Um, So today we're going to be talking about mast cell issues. Now, this is one of the most controversial topics in chronic illness and mold avoidance. And trust me, I have better things to do than just get in the mix of some controversy and muck it up and enjoy the controversy. That's not what I'm here to do. I actually think that under the hood, under the surface of this debate is some extremely important stuff that can easily be missed if people are not paying attention. Okay, so mast cell activation disorder or MCAS, M-C-A-S, mast cell activation syndrome, I guess is the official acronym. A lot of people have it. It's common with people with chronic illness and Mast cells are basically a part of the immune system that activate when they are irritated or bothered. I am not a mast cell expert, so I'm not going to go into all the physiology of it, but I'm going to talk about it in terms of mold avoidance. The reason there is such a big divide in this is that one side of the divide thinks that mast cell activation syndrome is sort of a standalone syndrome that should be treated and acknowledged and given some sort of stage presence or acknowledgement that it is important. Uh, The other side of the debate says that mast cell activation syndrome is just a side effect of mold toxicity and it will go away when you do mold avoidance. And the reason this matters so much is because it changes each side of the debate, depending which one you're on, it changes your fundamental approach and value, what you value the most when you're pursuing treatment and recovery. And it really does matter. Um, I, I guess I'll just start moving right into the content here. So many mold avoiders do have their mast cell activation syndrome go away. When they do mold avoidance, I talked to one today on our moderation team. We were discussing this topic and uh, the Facebook group. She's a moderator and she was like, oh yeah, my, my MCAS went away when I did mold avoidance. But see, you guys, <laughs> this goes so much deeper because even if people are able to get their mast cell activation syndrome under control by doing things like there's all these they're kind of like antihistamine medicines i guess mast cells are sort of similar to an allergic histamine response so some of the mast cell uh strategies if you believe mast cell is a standalone problem are to take these antihistamine stabilizers quercetin all this other stuff okay but even if you get your mast cell disorder under control temporarily and you suppress the symptoms with these mast cell um supplements and medications if you are still in too much mold toxicity you're still going to be your health is still going to be going downhill in many other ways until it finally uh catches up with you and you're chronically ill um now i'm of the opinion see see the mast cell activation topic 
is sort of that the body is misfiring and more of an allergy. It's allergic to mold. You know, the mast cell camp, which I'm not in, by the way, I'm in the opposite camp of people who think that mast cell is just one of the signposts along the way of healing. It's not a standalone important problem. Um, But if you think of the body's response to mold as just a, a trivial allergy and you just need to suppress it by taking mast cell blockers or antihistamines or whatever, you're actually thinking of mold more of an irritant and not a toxicant. And it's very different because an irritant like cat hair or pollen isn't fundamentally dangerous, right? An irritant, uh, there's nothing dangerous about pine pollen or cat hair. The body just misidentifies those as a threat and so just kind of goes crazy and and that's why if you have a cat allergy and you got to go to somebody's house who has a cat when you're when you're leaving you you can take an antihistamine and you'll be fine there's no damage done it's not a real problem so that is not really compatible with the toxic view of mold avoidance that we are loaded with 10 million times more mold inside our bodies than what a healthy person should have. And that doing mold avoidance is what flips that detox switch on that I'm always talking about. I'm always harping on this in my normal podcast episodes. So you've probably already heard me talk about that. They're completely different concepts. And by hyper-focusing on mast cell, it's so arbitrary because mold in reality causes a plethora of dysfunction, mast cell being only one of 50 dysfunctions, right? We know that mold suppresses the immune system. We know that mold inhibits detox. And so heavy metals build up. And probably one of the reasons why mold sufferers have so much mast cell in the first place is because we know that heavy metals like mercury and lead and cadmium can cause mast cell activation disorder. And we know that that mold turns off the body's detox switch so all of those metals build up and so mold comes first metal buildup comes second and then mast cell activation syndrome comes third and people are hyper focusing on this third level downstream event that's just downstream it's not a primary problem now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't see a doctor or take mast cell stabilizers if you have really bad mast cell. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert on mast cell disorder. Maybe you should take that. Maybe that's fine. But it's just one of 50 more bop the weasel things that you could be going after instead of the root cause. I mean, we know that Lyme and mold people, if they don't get healthy, they react to everything and they have to do this in a special diet and they have to avoid EMF and perfume and the smell of paint. And, you know, it's endless. It's endless. You know, they get co-infections, all this other stuff. So what bothers me so much about hyper-focusing on mast cells is that it is just reaching your hand into the bag of 50 or 100 dysfunctions that mold causes and just picking one out that's your pet favorite. Oh, I'm the mast cell group. Oh, I'm the Lyme group. Oh, I'm the EMF avoidance group. It's all just arbitrarily latching on to whichever pet problem you like or you think works is the most. And this is why when people do actual mold avoidance, they notice that it covers all of those problems. All of that stuff gets better because it is a upstream problem. Now, 
Could there be some problems that are even further upstream of mold? In other words, mold maybe isn't the actual primary problem. There's something even more important than mold. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's detox genetics, right? Because not everybody is susceptible to mold. But I do think that over time, more and more of society is becoming susceptible of mold because we're making worse, worse, worse and worse, you know, man-made mold um, mixtures, which I cover in my other podcast episodes as well. But it doesn't really matter because mold, if it isn't the top of the hierarchy or pyramid scheme, it's close to the top and it's a heck of a lot closer than mast cell. And so I think that the idea that focusing on mast cell disorder as a problem that needs our attention is completely wrong unless you're just doing it for symptom relief. You know, I I don't have problems, like I said, with people using mast cell stabilizers if they just need to, but it's not the core of the problem. And anybody who's even just looked into this a little bit knows this to be the case. I mean, I can't name names, don't want to name names, but I have talked to many people who are very, very stuck in their recovery process. They're not really pursuing mold avoidance to the level that they would need in order to heal. In other words, what we call the adequate level of mold avoidance. And what do you know? They're stuck in this mast cell nightmare. And then I've talked to other people who really go all in on mold avoidance and they their mast cell goes away. And, and they're like, this is the way they talk about it. They're like, oh, that mast cell thing? That was easy to get rid of. That was like one of the first things that went away when I did mold avoidance. You see what I mean? It's such a contrast. I also think that the immu- if we're going to talk about immune dysregulation, I think the mast cell immune dysregulation is one of the least important kinds. Let's talk about the more important immune dysregulation that comes when mold starts building up in the body and the parasites that I always talk about being a root cause of mold illness use that mold to create sort of a protective blanket and then these parasites latch onto the intestinal tissue and part of what they do to the intestinal tissue is secrete chemicals and immune disorder things that that disable the immune system and that's the whole reason that Lyme disease and all these other things you know can can keep a hold which isn't to say that mold itself doesn't d- directly disable the immune system don't get me wrong it it does it's not just the parasites but there, these chronic infections like Lyme disease, um, viral infections, they are caused by immune downregulation, immune system downregulation, and and immune system suppression. The body is just not fighting. I my Lyme disease was one of the first things that went away when I did mold avoidance, and so it's just it's it's acknowledging that there are so many downstream problems. If you don't know that. You might end up doing just a little bit of mold avoidance, not adequate for you, and then saying, oh, I tried mold avoidance, it didn't work. And then thinking that you just have primary mast cell disorder. Now, that may be okay for some people who aren't super sick. They might just take some mast cell stabilizers and get their health back enough that they can work or they can do whatever they need to do. And that's fine. But the thing is, that's kind of lucky. That's not because they discovered the true underlying cause and they're doing what needs to be done to to get as healthy as they possibly can. That's just because they got lucky and they were never mold toxic enough in the first place to really get 
super sick. So that's just, they just fall on, a, on an area of the spectrum. It's kind of the same thing if someone treats Lyme disease and they get totally better, right? I'm not going to tell somebody who treats Lyme disease and gets totally better. Oh, you, you're not really better. You should have done mold avoidance. That's stupid. If they're better and then they're better. They know if they're better. I'm not one to talk about who's better. So I'm not going to say to anybody who's better that they didn't really get better. But what I'm saying is that's more of a lucky um, occurrence than it is a addressing of the root cause. And it's so important with these chronic illnesses to figure out what the root cause is because there are so many distractions, right? When you go to the ER and you broke your arm, nobody cares what the root cause is. Or they, they care. They just find it easily. They're like, oh yeah, you have a fractured arm, right? Boom, done. But we can't lose sight of talking about the root cause when we are dealing with Lyme disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, because it is so hard to find and so many people don't get better by chasing all these little loose ends and rabbit holes, Um and that's not to say that mast cell isn't a very serious thing and it's not a real condition, but so is everything else that mold causes. Holy bleep. So is everything else that mold causes. So is Lyme disease. So is Bartonella. So is food allergies and EMF sensitivity so bad that people can't even be within 100 feet of a cell phone. It's all legitimate problems. And I'm not saying people shouldn't do some EMF avoidance if they need to for a while, or they shouldn't avoid foods that make them feel bad. All that stuff is great. Take some mast cell stabilizers if you need to, whatever. But to just say, oh, mold activates mast cells, period. Like, it makes my brain want to explode. There's so many problems with that statement. Yes, it does, but it also does 50 other things. Yes, it does, but mast cell is actually downstream. Yes, it does, but the heavy metals on board that came because mold turned off detox are one of the primary reasons that mast cells go crazy. Um, it's, it's just oversimplistic. It's a distraction, and it's really a diversion more than a distraction. It's a diversion. And I'm not saying people who think that mast cell is primary are doing this on purpose. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that um, anyone has malicious intentions here. It's, it's purely a question of information for me. It's not any emotional, or I've, I don't hold a grudge on anybody who's so dedicated to this mast cell topic. It's, it's just a question of information. I mean, think about what a diversion is. If some criminals want to rob a house, um, they might create a diversion so that the police or the homeowners don't see what's really going on in the house. Mass cell, focusing on mass cell as a primary problem and not a downstream problem is a diversion from what the primary problem is. Now, you might not want to do mold avoidance. You might not be able to do it. It might be too expensive or too inconvenient or whatever. That's fine too. I'm not saying everybody needs to do it. I'm just saying you you have to call a spade a spade and say what this really is. I'm going to end with a comment about my own experience with mast cell. I did not have much mast cell issues during all of my Lyme disease and all of my issues. Um, mast cell for me popped up its ugly head about a year and a half into my mold avoidance journey. All of a sudden I had mast cell for about six months and, and I had, you know, anaphylactic reactions to stuff. And I would walk into a Walmart and smell the wrong thing and think I would have to call 911. And I had all this mast cell stuff, right? 
Which kind of makes me think that people with mast cell disorder maybe are like halfway stuck between detox and not detox. And I've, I've actually corroborated that observation, finding that people with mast cell activation are not the sickest people that I have encountered. They can be very sick, but they're not the sickest. The sickest people usually are so mold poisoned that their immune systems are just shut off completely and there's no mast cell activation. There's nothing, no activation. The immune system is just off. But I encountered it about a year and a half into my mold avoidance, and it was caused by an absolute rush of toxins coming out of me as my body was turning on detox. It was caused by heavy metals and mold just pouring out of long-term storage into circulation, my body trying to get rid of it. And it was very scary. And I'm not saying that I did not need some help to get through that phase. I absolutely did. Ozone treatment really helped me through mast cell. Although you do have to be careful because some people say ozone makes their mast cell worse. That was not the case for me. The critical point here is that what helped me get past mast cell, and by the way, I have not had it since then. It was about a six-month period during my first or second year of mold avoidance. The critical thing here is that What helped me get past it was not identifying mast cell as the primary problem. Rather, it was identifying mast cell as a problem of overloaded detox channels due to mold avoidance, due to mold avoidance turning on my body's detox switch, due to getting clear enough and adequately clear of mold. And therefore, understanding that whole cause and effect tree diagram helped me understand that the problem was inadequate detox. My body was dumping all the stuff. And for a little while there, there was nowhere for it to go and it was coming out too fast. And that's not really the body's problem or the body's mistake. That's society filling up our bodies with too much junk over decades and decades and decades, more than what the body can normally handle. So when I increased my detox, which may be different for different people. For some people, it might mean liver support, kidney support, juice fasting, cleanses, whatever. And at the same time, got rid of the mold and stayed adequately clear of mold, which half the people who say they have mast cell are not doing adequate mold avoidance for what their level needs to be. Um, When I did those things, the mast cell went away. But the key thing is not only did the mast cell go away, but 50 other health problems that I had been having also went away or were in the very clear process of mostly going away, right? So do you see the difference? It doesn't really pay to hyper-focus on one of the many downstream effects of mold toxicity. And by doing that, you lose focus on that detox switch which is activated when you are adequately clear of mold. And it would be very easy just to do a little bit of mold avoidance, say that you are a mold avoider, you're not really adequately clear, and then say, look, I have mast cell, I have Lyme disease, I have all this other stuff. It's it's going backwards in our knowledge base. That's the person that I used to be 15 years ago. I was the Lyme disease guy. Borrelia is the primary problem. Take seven years of four different antibiotic combinations and 50 different herbs. In fact, you guys, I was still in that paradigm even after my mold sabbatical and even after I had found mold. I See, this is why I'm so passionate about it and I get so agitated about it because I've been down that road. Even when I was in a sort of a second mold sabbatical, I sort of did two of them. It's a long story. I still thought I have to kill every last Borrelia in my body. It's kind of funny that we never think that 
why we never ask why these Borrelia Lyme disease organisms are so impossible to kill, right? We never ask that. We just think, oh, well, instead of 17 antibiotics at the same time, I better take 42 antibiotics at the same time. That's literally what Lyme doctors do. If you go to a Lyme conference, and I've been to all the Lyme conferences, all they talk about is combinations of antibiotics. Oh, have you tried daptomycin combined with azithromycin, combined with flagyl, combined with um, amoxicillin, combined with a Babesia inhibitor like Mepron, Atavaquone, combined with, combined with, combined with, combined I can name all of these for you guys. I literally remember all of them. I've, I've, I wrote a book that had a whole chapter on Lyme disease antibiotic combinations. I know them all by heart, right? I, even on my second mold sabbatical, I was still taking all of those antibiotics because I was like, well, yeah, mold's probably important, but um, I still got to kill the Borrelia, right? And that's the same mindset that people get stuck in with this mast cell stuff. Oh, well, yeah, mold might be kind of important, but I got to deal with the mast cell, right? It's it's opposite. It's reversed. The, the way that it should be said is mold is the main thing. And yeah, I might have to deal with mast cell um, along the way or with parasites along the way or with whatever along the way. That's fine. But it's getting the cart before the horse that is so important here. Okay, I'm going to add one final thought. And that is that one of, one of the things that I like least or that I am most upset about with regard to all of these diversions, these diversions, whether it's mast cell or EMF or par- parasites, Lyme disease, whatever, although I wouldn't really count parasites as a diversion because I do think that parasite treatment is a very core issue in mold illness. But one of the things that drives me crazy the most about these diversions is that they take attention away from one of the least well understood aspects of mold avoidance and mold toxicity. The part of mold avoidance and mold toxicity that is the most less understood. I got five hours of sleep last night. Sorry, guys. I was playing video games with my son in a video game tournament till two in the morning. So I'm a little bit I still think is probably one of the best podcast episodes I've ever made. But one of the things that drives me crazy the most about these diversions is that they take our attention away from the fact that mold toxicity and mold avoidance needs to be at a higher level than most people realize to kickstart that detox switch. So many, 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 many people who think they are doing mold avoidance actually are not doing adequate mold avoidance. They have not properly identified the outdoor supertoxins, FRAT and MT, that are keeping many, many people sick. They're literally bouncing around Houston or Portland or Seattle, which are some of the worst locations for those toxins, and I could name other cities too. And they maybe got a new apartment or something, and they did an ERMI test, but they are not doing adequate mold avoidance. They have not prioritized which toxins are the most important, and they have not learned how to sense and avoid those. And so of course they still have mast cell activation syndrome, right? Like they're going to have it probably forever. And that's why these groups, um, you know, how often is there a mast cell person that just goes away and no longer has to deal with mast cell? They're cured, they leave, they walk away, right? It's very rare. So it's a diversion and it drives me crazy. And it doesn't mean that you don't have to sometimes treat the mast cell or control it or whatever. That's the same with any problem that mold causes. You have to, you know, Lyme disease treatment can still be very important. If somebody actually does have mold toxicity that's suppressing their immune system and the Lyme bacteria is overrunning their body, it can still be a great idea to 
do those antibiotic combinations or kill the Borrelia, knock the, the bacterial load down. I did early in mold avoidance, very early in my mold avoidance, I did bee sting therapy, bee venom therapy. I have about 1,200 stings that I've done and my body was craving that and I do think that it helped control and, and lower the Borrelia load in my body. Then all of a sudden, at one point, boom, I just didn't need it anymore, right? <clears throat> and you could say that, oh, well, that's what really cured you. It was a mold avoidance. Okay, well, then listen to all my other podcast episodes and you'll see that just, you know, Lyme was one tiny percentage of my problems and I'd already been treating it for years and years and years. Oh, and one of the most interesting things is when I started to go back into a toxic environment about three years into mold avoidance because I just wanted to live my life how I wanted to, I needed to do the bee stings all over again, right? And then when I left the toxic environment, I didn't need to. But anyway, we'll talk about that on another day. I'm not, I don't, I don't have to explain every little detail of my content all in one podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, just a disclaimer here. I have nothing against the mass cell people, the groups. This is nothing personal. This is an academic debate. It is a debate about the data. It is not, I don't have anything against any people who, who are into mass cell or talk about mass cell. It's not personal. It's an academic debate. Also, I am not a doctor. And some of the stuff I covered in this podcast is kind of medically dangerous. You know, if you're on mass cell medications, do not discontinue them without, uh, approval from a doctor. And if you're not on mast cell medications, don't get on them without approval from a doctor. Don't do bee stings without approval from a doctor. It could cause anaphylactic shock and you could die. Don't do anything or stop doing anything without approval from a doctor. This is just my informal opinion and part of the debate that I'm participating in. It's not intended to be medical advice in any way, shape or form.